You sound winded. You okay? Hmm? You sound winded. Oh, no, I just... <sighs> uh, it's cold out there? Fuck, yeah. It's Jeez. cold as dick, bro? Dick. Bruh? Cold as dick? It smells like weed. It's probably... If I was going to say it's your upper lip, but it probably is your upper lip. <laughs> weed. Uh, uh, do they drug test you? At work? <laughs> <laughs> Can't meet motherfucker like like if I have the Imagine someone's been tracking me since the beginning. They're like, you got him. Test him out. <laughs> Test Test him out. out. He's talking and I'm not, and I'm just. <sighs> <sighs> and then I'm talking. <laughs> no, oh, wait, wait. I have something for him. Boom. You get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrating on the news. That's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FY, there's nothing wrong with All right, let's get this show started, shall we? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tells podcast. I am your acting host for today, yours truly, Josh. And to my left, we have the educator, the music instructor, the man who would take your child from being a shitty musician player to being an average, to yeah, <laughs> being decent. We have the one and only Achi. Say hi, buddy. I feel like I need the Rocky theme song to. For this real, like, I feel like I'm watching wrestling. <laughs> da-da-da, 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 I feel like I need to come out to like intro music. <clears throat> and to my right, well, we have Moses. So moving on. To- <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this. Shh, shh, I got you. I got you. Okay. Shh. Okay. <clears throat> to my right, we have the founder of the Weird History and Eerie Tells podcast. We have the man who's supporting us and providing us this studio room for us to record this content for you all. We have my brother, not by choice, Moses the Great One. How's that as a fucking introductory for you? I'm going to edit most of it out. <laughs> 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 and to my right, we have Moses. Yeah, that was a good intro. I like it. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna need you to introduce me like that every time I step into a room. <laughs> and to my right, we have. <laughs> You'll be like, "Good evening, Moses the Great." So, so moving on Take to notes, today's Moses. topic. Um, now, for those who follow us on Instagram, you know what today's episode is about. But for those who are not, now you have your reasons why you're not following us on social media. It's you're okay. an idiot. You know, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> judging. I'm judging okay. hard. Uh, okay, I'm lying. I'm I'm judging a little bit. All right, but it's cool, right? Because today's topic is about bizarre and weird cases of disappearances. Okay, I don't know about you two, but I have a fair share amount of stories of shit disappearing on me. And no, actually, I don't mean literal fucking shit. I mean, stuff that just disappeared, all right? And this is a story, all right? A true story. I was there. That happened to me about two years ago. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was hoping you were there if it happened <laughs> to you. <laughs> all right. So so it's it's midday, right? I'm sitting in my room. I'm gaming. I'm playing ESO, all right? Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, shit. And for some odd man. fucking reason, I was craving some grapes, right? Yeah, grapes. So I get up. I go to the kitchen. I get a plate. Right, I break some stems of the fucking, you know, the, the grapes I put on my plate. And while picking them off, I drop one, okay, a single grape, 
right? While it's falling, I'm laughing. And this is why I'm laughing, okay? I have so much experience of dropping shit that my mathematics of where it fell and where it's going to land is on fucking point, right? So back to the story, it falls, right? And in my head, I'm like, <laughs> three bounces plus 1.5 second of a row. I equals to two steps back, left-hand region, right? That's what I thought. So I did it. I take two steps back. I look to the bottom left, and there's nothing to be found. All right, so at that moment, I drop my plate. I'm scratching my head. Throws everything away. Yeah, no, no, no. no. (laughs) Gets better. I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, wait, I did the math right. Three bounces plus 1.5 second of a roll equals two steps back to the left-hand region. Now, some of you are thinking, what the fuck is this guy on, right? Some of us are just born with the shitty gift, and I was born with this shitty gift, right? And at that moment, I decided, you know what? Fuck the quest that I'm doing ESO. Okay, I abandoned that quest. And I'm, making this, and I'm making this as my priority quest. Quest. Yeah, quest. I said crest. Quest. So right? The, so the so the <laughs> so the drop grape that became your main quest? Yeah, that became my that that's my marker on the fucking map, bro. Yeah, respect. Okay. So there it is, right? I'm looking, I'm looking. Minutes have gone by. Hours, days. Okay, probably not days or hours, but minutes have passed by. I'm at I'm I'm at the point where I'm on my knees looking down everywhere on places I know this scrape cannot have gone, right? To the point where I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done with this scrape, all right? I didn't want grapes anymore, so I put the grapes back in its fucking bowl. I put the plate back to its place. I opened the fridge, and I got myself a cold beer. Went back to my room mad, drinking mad, and playing so mad. Okay, later that night, right before, you know, I fell asleep. I couldn't. I was tossing and turning, right? The fact that the, that stupid grape is still in my head, still lingering. Okay, so I'm tossing and turning. Something's wrong right? with you. No, 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 no. It's the same stress, right? It's equivalent to the same stress when, when you go to bed, but you can't remember that stupid song or that movie, and you're just like, oh, I have to know, but then you just you just forgot, and you don't know, you know, the name of it. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking with, all right? Shut up. Shut up. I mean, you can justify <laughs> it all you want. That's fucking weird. <laughs> Oh, whatever. Okay. I ain't the, judging. I'm judging you hard. Yeah, I'm changing your fucking intro, bro. All right. So he the peaked, following morning. He piqued my interest, bro. <laughs> Talk about you. magical grape. <laughs> Keep going, bro. So the following morning, I wake up. I'm doing my things or whatever. Um, and it's time to take out the trash, right? I pull the trash bin forward. And there it was. The grape. The grape. Now, if that grape had a face and it could talk. A fucker will be like, <laughs> I was here all along, you dumb son of a bitch. And I had a whole conversation with that stupid grape, right? And at the end, I stomped the motherfucker. Pop. And I realized, fuck, I got to clean this shit up. So I get a napkin and I clean it up. And that is a story of that stupid Something's grape. wrong with you. Something is <laughs> wrong, with, wrong with you. Hey, what? You should write books, bro. The detail in this story, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, now shifting gears. HP Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> now shifting gears. Okay, so like I said, this episode is about weird cases about disappearing of- grapes. <laughs> 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 no, it's it's about real human beings. You know, it's, this is more of a serious matter. Okay, it's not about a grape. It's not about a nail that fell. Okay, we're talking about real humans that once lived. Okay, I'm gonna be talking about certain cases that pertain to different national parks 
Achi will talk about the Almic civilization and other things. Moses will talk about Jerome and his story. Um, Jerome of Nova Scotia. Yeah. Okay, that being said, Achi, we are ready to hear your stories. Our ears are yours. I don't know, bro. I want to hear more about this grave. I feel like I'm on a different podcast now. This is completely, a completely different vibe to it. Loki, I thought you were going to go into the Shadow Realm. I was for the, about uh, the Penguin Soldier. All right, that should so, have disappeared. For the, all right, so you guys brought it up. For those of you who are listening and, you're, and you heard uh, Archer over here talk about Shadow Realm, that's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference. So Yu-Gi-Oh in the cartoon, the Shadow Realm is basically a different plane of like a dimension where they could go out. So basically they're on Earth and they go to the Shadow Realm, which is basically like the underworld, but it's basically just like open black space and they duel whatever. Like whoever loses stays there. And that's basically what happens. And every time, well, we, because we, we all used to be really into it younger, like, like when we were younger, like younger. stupid. Like two years ago. <laughs> hey, no, fuck up. <laughs> but, 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 but when this happened, this was like, this is, this is way back when, maybe like 10 years ago. Yeah. Like we were really into it. And long, huh? we were playing, uh, you know, we were just because, um, so it's a card game and we were just playing and we were in my room. My room was not that big. It's basically just a bed and like my TV. That was literally it. There was nothing. It was just carpet. Talking about the one that Chino spit in. <laughs> That's another That's story, a dude, story for a different podcast. Okay. So we're playing and we just dropped the card off the table. It literally, we're, we're playing the card drops off the table. We're like, oh shit. I forgot who drops it. Was it you or whatever? Somebody drops it. Yeah. We go down to pick it up, and it's gone. We, we're like, what the fuck? So we start looking under the bed. We start looking everywhere. It's gone. Nowhere, no, nowhere to be found. To be found. Nowhere to be found. Until this day, we call that the Shadow Realm because it just fell into the Shadow Realm. And every time it we played it in his room, and every time someone dropped the card, we're like, oh, that's oh, it. Yeah. It's that's going the to the Shadow Realm. Realm. Yeah. Man, dude. Sometimes I miss it. But then I think about when oh. Scrap Dragon went from twenty five dollars <laughs> to twenty five cents. I'm like, fuck this game. My wallet doesn't miss it. Fuck this game. <laughs> My Seriously, wallet doesn't miss man. it. But then I'm buying pops over here, so what's the difference? True. Yeah. I mean, we just moved. Yeah, we're we not still... buying three of the same fucking pops, bro. That's true though. It's true. <laughs> In Yu Gi Oh, you need three of the same fucking cards. Yeah. Bro. True. To run a deck. Fuck. That. Pains on. Mm. All right. All right. All right, all right. All right. That's a different podcast. That's a okay, different true, podcast. True. True. Archie, carry on with your story. All right, bro. So stupid ass. Um, I did, when I started looking for disappearances. I wanted to make it a little bit interesting. I want to focus on a, a certain person so much or people so much or, you know, I decided to translate this from going from, you know, the disappearance of a civilization to the disappearance of a person. So I'm going to start off with the, the, the disappearance of the civilization as Josh mentioned earlier, specifically the Omic civilization. So the Omic civilization was one of the earliest known major civilizations in Mexico that date back as far back as, you know, 25 BCE. They're probably based southeast of Mexico off the Gulf Coast where, you know, it is now present-day Veracruz. What's really cool about the Olmec civilization is that predate, they predate the Mayans and the Aztecs. And some even speculate that the Olmecs were ancestors of the Mayans and the Aztecs themselves. There is evidence of similar cultural and ritualistic ceremonies that each of them share with one another and use such symbolism as the jaguar across all three civilizations. It is also believed that, you know, the Obmics also practice ritual ballgame, which was so popular with the Aztecs many years to come. When Olmec artifacts were first uncovered, um, it was believed that they pertained to either the Aztec or Anslash or the Mayans. 
but that was not the case. One of their most famous known artifacts are the giant heads, and they're found in and around the Gulf Coast of Tenochtitlan, Veracruz. And I mean, these heads were enormous. I believe, you know, there were like about 17 heads found off the coast, with the smallest one weighing six tons. God damn. And the larger heads weighing over 30 tons. Fuck. Yeah. And, you know, for this being such an influential society, it's kind of weird how there wasn't much evidence of the Olmec civilization being present beyond 400 BCE. Historians speculate that disease, war, and slash or famine were major causes of the quote-unquote extinction of the Olmec. But it seems to be that there's no evidence that backs up these claims, especially since no one has really uncovered graves of Olmec people to study to find exactly what happened to these people. More than likely, it is believed that dramatic changes in agriculture might have given the Olmecs a reason or two to relocate from their main site off the Gulf Coast of Mexico. And due to this relocation, it is believed that the Olmec civilization, as we might know, might have dispersed itself and evolved into a multitude of cultures that are more common in Mexico, as we you know, used to know Mesoamerica. But all we can do now is just speculate of what happened. So that, that was the Olmec civilization. There's very little information found out about, about, about these guys because there isn't much, you know, left that could last that long for them to, you know, discover more about what the Olmec civilization is and whatnot. Because there weren't any records, there weren't any people that were uncovered. So it's kind of hard to, you know, speculate what happened to these people, what these people look like and whatnot. The exception of just like, you know, the artifacts, the art that the lasted. Found. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, destroy a... 30,000 or 30 ton giant head. Yeah. Yeah. That was the Olmec civilization. Now, moving on to something way, way more recent. And this was the disappearance of the Trump family. Or the Trump? Trump. Not Trump. So it's basically, so it's like spelled like Trump, but instead of you, it's O? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Trump. The Trump family. And, you know, this, this happened, you know, two years ago. On Monday, August 29th, 2016, a family in Australia left with three kids out of nowhere, going from Sylvan to Bathurst, Australia. And the family were Mark Trump, age 51, Jacoba Trump, age 53, and their three children, Rihanna Trump, age 29, Mitchell Trump, age 25, and Ella Trump, age 22. And, you know, this is a small, a small family we're working on, you know, earth-moving business. I don't even know how the hell that was a business in itself. But well, like, they probably just sold dirt. Yeah, basically. And, you know, they also own a very large berry farm. And so the family made their kids work because they work with, you know, with the family. And they made them work seven days a week. So might be a reason why, you know, they all left or whatever. But, you know, what's weird about this is that the family left their phones their passports and credit cards when the police came in and investigated the place. They started noticing that there was a bunch of artifacts that were just kind of laid around and they thought that that was really weird. Mark Knight, which was the police sergeant of the, you know, the case, said that it was, quote, the most bizarre case that happened there in 30 years. You know, and as they were moving, you know, going off, abandoning everything that they left, their son, Mitchell, however, brought his phone, but within 19 miles of the trip, Mitchell was told by his parents 
to throw his phone out the window while they were driving because their parents did not want to get tracked. They believed for whatever reason that someone was following them. Hmm. And so, you know, this seemed weird to Mitchell. And by 7 a.m. the next morning, Mitchell actually left the family. Just booked it. He's like, fuck this. I'm out of here. This shit's getting too weird. And Mitchell was Bats. the oldest one, right? 29-year-old. Mitchell was the second one. Oh, the 25-year-old. The 25-year-old. Yeah. And so, you know, whatever. Mitchell's gone. Fuck it. We're, we're going to keep on moving without Mitchell. And so the family moved to Geno- the Genolong, Genolong Caves, where, you know, then Ella and, you know, Ella and Rihanna then left the family via stolen car. And they traveled to a city called Goldborn, where they went to the police station and reported that their parents were missing. But what's weird about that is that then they themselves split up. And it wasn't long be- between, you know, when a man by the name of Keith Whitaker found Rihanna Trump, which I think was the uh, oldest one, in the back of his F-150 pickup, all disoriented and disillusioned, not knowing who she was. Oh, shit. Yeah. He was just like, because he was driving and, you know, he just heard a thump. He was like, what the fuck? So he goes back, he stops, and he, he you know, pulls up his truck bed, and there she was, there she just was. like kind of like freaking big-eyed, not knowing where the fuck she was, not knowing who she was. He was trying to like find out, you know, who the hell is this chick? And then, you know, she was really disoriented, had no idea where, where she was going, but she was just found in the pickup truck. So then, the youngest, Ella Trump, returned home on that Tuesday night while police were still there already investigating. Um, Daily T- Telegraph, you know, presented that there was evidence of years of financial reports scattered all over the home, and it seemed like they were clearly looking for something. Like, be right before they booked it, they found all this evidence of just, like, record, financial records, you know, their passports, their cell phones, and whatnot. And everything was kind of scattered but organized, as if, you know, you know, they were running away from something or whatever. And then, so, later on, Mitchell Trump returned home the next day via train. So, they seem to be, like, the only sane ones that, you know, returned home. Mark and Jacoba, however, which were their parents... Went to Wangarata, where they both then separated. Jacobo headed north. A young couple reported to have seen Mark tailgating them while playing Pokemon Go. And he stated, quote, I could barely see his headlights. That's how close he was. God damn. When the male stopped, when, when, you know, when the male stopped, which is the, the, the male from the young couple, so did Mark. But then Mark stepped out of his vehicle, ran towards a car in front of them. And just stopped and stared at them. You know. And then eventually. He just booked it off to a park nearby. Car still in ignition. <coughs> I mean the key still in ignition of the car. And him just gone. And he just fucking laughed. Yeah. What the fuck? Fuck. At the house high dude. In a local <laughs> motel in Wangarata. Which is that area. There's There was evidence of you know. A hotel room that was broken in with the belief that possibly Mark was, you know, staying there. Jacoba, the wife, tried booking a hotel in Yas, which is actually a name of a city. Yas. 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 In Australia. 
Where you from? Yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. Where are you from? Yas. Yas. No, where the fuck are you? Where are you from? Yas. Yas. So when when she was trying to book in a you know, hotel over in Yas, a public member, you know, found out who she was because of all the reports that they made. Because again, the, the, the detective said that, you know, the police sergeant said that this never happened in this town. It's not that type of thing that happens in that town, especially. If he said it's the most bizarre case that happens in 30 years. So this has been in, on the media up and down. Yeah, plus it's Australia. I'm pretty sure not a lot of weird shit happens. I mean, there's only what? I mean, yeah, there's only like what? Like 30 million people in that whole fucking place? Yeah. And they're scattered like all through the coast? Mm-hmm. There's more like animal life, wildlife happening oh, than there is yeah. people. So, you know, then this public member, this public figure, found, you know, found out who she was and escorted her to a local hospital. She's like, yeah, you know, you ain't right. All this is happening. Let me just take you to the hospital. And then on September 3, Mark was found wandering down the road in Wangarata, taken in by police. They did a five-hour interrogation on him, as well as, you know, including a mental health test. And then as, as he was walking out, getting escorted, you know, media was all around him. Just, you know, gave him the, the nice middle finger, nice. flipping everyone off. Hell yeah. But then he later apologized. He's like, oh, I don't know what was in my mind. But I mean, I think he's okay after all the stuff that's been happening. And so later on, Mitchell and Ella talked to the media, thanking the public for finding their quote-unquote lost father. But what was weird about this is that they had no mention of anything that happened. They didn't talk about, you know, oh, that we went here, we went here, they tried doing this and blah, blah, blah. All they said was just thank you for finding our father. And then we'll just leave it at that. And that's it. There's, there's, and there's no. It. And what's weird about this is that, you know, when they're trying to find out, you know, why the hell this happened to this family, they found that there was no history of mental illness, no sign of drug use, no outstanding deaths, or no, you know, sign of being part of a culture or church. So they're a pretty normal family. But then this just kind of happened out of nowhere. So there's been three possible theories as to why, you know, this family did what they did. Okay. Before you go into your theories, just so I can get it straight. So it's this family of five. They're just like, fuck it. We're just going to go on a trip. Everyone just leave your shit behind. And then when they went on the trip, they all eventually split up eventually along that trip, mm-hmm. slowly returning back home. And every time someone would return back home, it was because they went through this weird traumatic experience where either they're found, like the dad's chasing people for no fucking reason, running into the wild, or the sister, she's just like, what the fuck? She's just like completely discombobulated. Uh-huh. And the only two people that returned home were the two of the children. The youngest. The, the youngest one. Oh, uh-huh. the youngest ones. And then and then when the, when the family members are being found and being brought, they're just like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty weird. Very weird. And so <laughs> there's these three possible theories that people came up with as far as, you know, why this happened. Oh, Number shit. one, that they were poisoned by toxic, toxic waste from, you know, the earth moving company, which is why they became all disoriented. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, shit started happening. Theory two, that for whatever reason, you know, they're involved with a mob. And so they want to leave the country, but unfortunately, they were too afraid to use their passports in fear of getting tracked. And then theory three is that they suffered from, you know, this type of mental stress disease called foile adu, which is, you know, people who have this disease have show extreme signs of mental stress and, you know, kind of bursting out of nowhere. Where they kind of just one minute, yeah. one, they just snap. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
But yeah, that was the case of the Trump family where they disappeared, but then came back. But they came back all whack. Yeah. But like, I don't know if you know this, but has it been a follow up with them? Are they all fine now? Or is it or is it just like the two the two young children, are they now in charge of the other three that are kind of like not all there anymore? I mean, when, when I started researching more about this, I couldn't find anything that happened with the mom. Because the mom, the last I've heard, the mom was in the hospital, in the mental, in like the mental hospital or whatever. Dad came back. Kids are still at home. But there was no also no mention of the oldest child. 29-year-old. Yeah. Because there, there was no mention that she came home. It just mentioned that they found her. But yeah. That's weird. It's a Trump family. And then one of the more notorious cases is D.B. Cooper. So next case I'm going to talk about has been known as CIA's most top unsolved case. And some even claim it to be one of the U.S.'s most top unsolved mysteries. This case is such a trip. And it's so crazy how this fucker got away with what he did. So anyways, on November 24th, 1971, a day right before Thanksgiving, a man by the name of Dan Cooper bought a one-way ticket from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington for a $25 boarding pass from Northwest Airlines taking flight 304. So according to you know a witness description, the man was white and lanky in his mid-40s wearing a dark suit, a, tar- a tall dark coat, a white sh- undershirt, and a black necktie. He was carrying nothing else but a large suitcase and a paper rag. So on his way to Seattle, D.B. Cooper handed a note to a stewardess stating that he had a bomb with him. But the funny part about this is that D.B. Cooper was actually trying to be discreet about this a whole, you know, about this whole thing. But the stewardess received the note, didn't even bother looking at it, and just started walking away. Wait, she just ignored it? Yeah. So what? You you think she, you know, she thought <laughs> D.B. Cooper was trying to be slick, and, you know, give him his number or something, or, or you know, maybe that's why he probably thought, oh, this guy's a fucking creep. I'm just about to be nice about it, you know, pretend I'm gonna read it later or something, whatever. She just put it in her pocket, just grabbed the, the note, put it in her pocket. And so since D.B. Cooper knew she wasn't going to, you know, read it, he literally just let her know, hey, miss, uh, I think you should read the note because I have a bomb. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the beat defeats the whole purpose of fucking getting a note. Yeah, the note. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the whole cabin freaks the fuck out. And D.B. Cooper shows off his nice little briefcase with what looks like a ticking bomb to the flight attendant. So besides the note stating that, you know, he had a bomb, it also stated demands as well. And the note, he said that he wanted $200,000 in cash, but only in $20 bills, two front and two back parachutes, and a fuel truck ready to refuel when they landed to Seattle. He also said, quote, no funny stuff, or I'll do the job. So, you know, this guy's serious. So they landed in Seattle, and they traded most of the passengers for the $200,000 and basically abided by his demands. As they took flight again, they headed south towards Mexico City, and requested to keep the plane under 10,000 feet. Since that day, D.B. Cooper has not been reported to be found. The only trace of him was a black clip-on tie from JCPenney with some form of DNA on it. So this case was known as the Northwest, the Northwest Airjack, or Northjack for short. CIA has found over 800 suspects that resemble D.B. Cooper, and were able to slim down that number to down about 24 suspects but they ultimately found no exact match. There were, however, many people who confessed to be the real D.B. Cooper, 
but all were mostly cons. In April, just a year later, another man by the name of Richard Floyd McCoy also hijacked an airplane almost in the exact same manner as D.B. Cooper. But primary witnesses said that this man did not really resemble the man from the original heist, Cooper. Not only that, official records state that McCoy was actually at home with his family at the time when the heist took place while he was in Utah. Another suspect was Dwayne Weber, who announced that he was D.B. Cooper to his wife while he was in his deathbed. According to a CIA agent who took this case, his wife exclaimed that his husband used to sleep talk about leaving fingerprints all around the airplane. He had similar writing as to D.B. Cooper, and he also had an old Northwest Airlines ticket with, you know, for no apparent reason. To none of her, you know, her remembrance, she never knew that her husband, then husband, was know, this huge like, yeah. thief. And, like, had no idea that he took a flight over, you know, using Northwest Airlines. It just seemed very bizarre to her. And then the last most probable suspect was a name by the name of Kenneth Christensen, who was then presented to one of the original flight attendants. And she said that out of all the possible suspects that she has seen, this guy resembled the most, like D.B. Cooper. However, what's weird about this one is, how the CIA immediately discredited this man because of the original the original suspect was not likely aware a, a well trained parachute glider, and this man, however, was because of his background. And lastly, there's a theory made by yet another CIA agent about how D.B. Cooper had more than likely died on impact, especially since the conditions of when D.B. Cooper actually freefalled were extremely horrible. He said that. No experienced parachute glider would ever take off of a plane with 200 mile an hour winds, being pitch black above the clouds, and also with no clear view of the ground. And on top of that, apparently the parachutes that were given to D.B. Cooper at the time were actually faulty. One of them was shown shown, uh, sewn shut, and another was a military training chute with you know no actually way to steer the parachute itself but what makes this theory faulty is that db cooper you know if he really died then there should have been a trace of a body and slash or the parachute should have been found according to cia this has been one of the most exhausting cases that has taken you know that has ever been taken at, at that time and the amount of paperwork for the case when stacked up high is about 40 feet tall. Oh, shit, dude. That's a lot of paperwork, man. And, you know, this case was on for like about 40 years. And it was finally closed just recently in 2016. But CIE is still willing to take in, you know, any, any clues. Any just because they're like, we got to fucking solve it. We don't want to do it. But if it's out there, we have yeah. another answer. Uh-huh. I remember um, for um, the, uh, one of the theories for D.B. Cooper was that he never actually made it out of life. Was that he ended up dying, and people were like, and they're like, "Well, what happened to the body?" I'm like, "Well, the part of the because he the part where he jumped off is kind of like forest area, yeah, or whatever." And um, they're saying that that place has that region has a huge bear population, so it could be that if he did die, he was eaten by bears. And they're like, "Well, where's the money?" And there have been people who said that they still like up until recently, like there's people who said that they find that they that they found money, supposedly. <clears throat> Someone found a briefcase full of old wet money. It was yeah. the, the briefcase was open and a lot of it was gone, but it's still old wet money. 
They're like, oh, this is DB Cooper. Yeah. And then also, um, do you remember in um, in Pawn Stars too? Someone tried to pawn a the corner of a twenty dollar bill that belonged to DB Cooper. Uh huh. That he that someone found in the forest that was like torn like money, and they tried to. And, and yeah, they tried but how do you know it's like DB <clears throat> Cooper? Well, that's well, that's what they said. Like. Do you have any proof? And they're like, yeah, well, the way I, the, 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 the person I bought it off sold it to an auction. The auction has paperwork. But then at the end of the day, the pawn star dudes were like, yeah, you have paperwork from this dude says he has it. And there's no actual proof. Value or credit behind that But shit. the actual yeah. proof that they said is that, you know, when they gave him this money, for, I, I don't know if, you know, this is just a theory or something that they said, that they knew what the serial numbers of, you know, those bills that he gave him specifically were. So the ones that they were found apparently did actually belong to DB Cooper because it had the exact same serial number matches. Oh as shit! Yeah. So I mean, if he would have said that, he probably would have sold it. But no, it was literally just like the corner, and it was like in a, oh, it was literally the corner of a of a bill. What's the value of that? Well, the, well, it's just like if it. I mean, they could really yeah. put a value to it, sure. But like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, and the dude was asking for like twenty grand or something, two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and he's like, "You want me to pay twenty grand for the corner of a twenty dollar bill?" <laughs> like I said earlier, my topics are cases based on um, different disappearances around different national parks. So starting off with number one, we have the Yosemite National Park, and now this national park is located western of the Sierra Nevada of Northern California. Okay, I was gonna ask. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like what? I should like. I know I should know this, but where the fuck is Yosemite Park? Because I don't leave like L.A. at all. <laughs> <laughs> this national park is known for its groves of giant sequoias. Those are big fucking trees. Oh, like they have waterfalls. Trucks? <laughs> yeah, giant fucking trucks, right? Waterfalls and other things in nature. It is the third oldest national park in the U.S. Yellowstone oh, coming in first, and Sequoia. Coming in second. All right. The story I'm about to tell you is about the eerie disappearance of a kid named Kenny Miller. Kenny was a 12-year-old boy who was mentally disabled at the age of two from the high fevers and the brain swelling that came from meningitis. In 1992, the Miller family took a trip to nature. They took a hike along the Pacific Crest Trail. The Miller family last saw Kenny beside a creek in the meadow where he was throwing rocks. Now, according to the LA Times, his father, mother, and sister turned their backs for a brief moment. Now, this brief moment was described just two top three minutes of just looking around nature. You know how when we go hiking, mm-hmm. we like just seeing stuff. That's, that's what happened. And when they looked behind them, Kenny was gone. Right, they did a whole search. They never found his body. Damn, I wanted that, oh, that fucking feeling, dude. Yeah. Now, a month later, okay, a month later, they found his lifeless body on a high ridge on a rough terrain that is 1,500 feet higher than where they last seen Kenny. Okay, keep that in mind. Now, the elevation of where they found Kenny Miller's almost 2,000 feet. Okay, because there's, there's a big twist on that. Okay. Now, moving on <clears throat> to the second case. Now, this is based on the Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park. Now, the Rocky Mountain, all right, it's running from New Mexico northwest to the northern part of the British Columbia in Canada. Along the way, the mountain cuts through 
Colorado. This place is known for its spectacular mountain environment. It provides over 300 miles of hiking trails, wildflowers, wildlife, staring nights, and fun times, according to NPS.com, NationalParkService.com. Now, the second case I will discuss is the story of a four-year-old boy named Alfred Bellhart. In the summer of 1938, Alfred and his family went on a fishing trip in the mountain region of the Colorados, of the Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park. The Bellharts decided to take a, take a hike along a trail near a river. Alfred, according to the family, was trailing right behind him or behind them when suddenly they turned around and Alfred was gone. There was no sound of distress coming from Alfred as if he had been taken away or something. Right? It was just complete silence. Their parents yelled and called for Alfred, but no response came back. It was as if Alfred was never there. There. Fuck. Okay, now check this out. They reported (coughs) to the police that um, uh, they reported the disappearance to the police, who in which believed and were convinced that he fell into the river. They dammed the river and began the search. A six-mile stretch of the river and nothing was found. Now, the parents claimed that Alfred was nowhere near that river. The search lasted five full days with no results. Okay. The police even introduced or brought in bloodhounds right into the search. They followed the trail of the scent of Alfred. And suddenly, they stopped and just simply lay down. According to the police, this is an odd behavior for these trained dogs. It was as if the trail vanished just as Alfred had. So they're sniffing, sniffing, and, and that same location, they just hit a wall as if that scent just vanished completely. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Now, here's the crazy part, okay? The next day, right, a report was filed when a couple of hikers spotted a small boy 3,000 feet higher and six miles further from where they lost, uh, last saw Alfred. The area was known as the Devil's Nest near the top of Mount, of, of Mount Chaplin. The hikers claimed that the boy made a shrill noise before being, quote-unquote, jerked back out of sight. Till this day, Alfred Bellhart has never been found. So they, have, they never found the body? They never found the body. The last, the, the last thing they got was that, that tip from those hikers who uh-huh. spotted up the kid in the corner. They heard the shrill noise, like a scream or something, and... He just it looked like he jerked back as if something pulled him. So they were able to see him for a bit, and then he disappeared? Yeah, he just disappeared. Damn. Idiot. And then searches went up, climbed. They found nothing, nothing of him. They, they they found a bandage, but that was about it. A bandage? No, no body, no, no nothing, okay? Now, David Polides, author for the series known as Missing 411, has looked and investigated the missing children cases like these and are usually found in places where they couldn't get to on their own. Okay, like I said before, keep in mind where, where they found or last sighted these two cases, okay? Some are found without shoes, but they have no scars or sign of injury on their feet. These cases all have a creepy coincidence to suggest that some kind of creature is snatching these people away. Bears and mountain lions are out of the picture. 
since their habits are not to carry their prey thousand, plus thousand miles away in elevation and not eat them. Some say it's Bigfoot. Others say it's aliens. But one idea that caught my attention to what creature are snatching people away comes from the cryptozoologist Jonathan Whitcomb. Jonathan believes that there are leaving, a leaving, living pterosaurus roaming around in this day of age. Okay, these are pterodactyls. So you, flying creatures. So what somebody's saying is that these pterodactyls are just snatching people up? Snatching people up. According, you- according to Jonathan, all right, he has his own website. There's been sightings of these fur skin, oh, I don't want to say skinless, but fur, uh, fur, furless, I guess. Furless. The big, big flying creatures with no fur just flying around. And according to Jonathan, he believes that's a pterodactyl. This explains why most cases like these bodies are found or sighted at such a higher elevation where they were last seen by their loved ones. Question. <coughs> Answer. You said that there were no marks on this? On these, these yeah. on the so body? So the two cases, yeah. So the two cases that I was talking about, uh-huh. uh, Kenny Miller, he was found, uh-huh. right? Uh, they, they, they concluded his death as being exposure, but there was no foul play on him. There was no, like, like kidnapping or, or being dragged by a bear or a mountain, right? So they concluded it was just due to the fact that he was lost and raining. Because I, I heard it was a storm on that night. Uh-huh. So just rain and shit like that. But more, uh, there was more cases mm-hmm. in before 11 about certain kids who were missing, without, uh, that, that were missing and found without shoes. Mm-hmm. But their feet had like no scars mm-hmm. or trails of injury on their feet. So now, would you think, theory. Okay. If they were taken by these pterodactyls or whatever, you think that there'd be some kind of like agitation to the skin from being carried or whatever? That's what that's what uh, Johnson was saying. But since they had clothes, maybe the claws just got on the clothes. Because some of these some of these cases, they only found clothes dispersed and away from these bodies. God, man, this is fucking. And again, like it's like plus thousand miles above. Elevation. How much threat count does these shirts and pads have, bro? I have no idea, man. Like Pro Club. <laughs> Pro Club. Fuck. That's two hundred percent cotton, bro. Those are bro. fucking. They're thick. Are fucking heavy armor right there. Let's replace those freaking, you know, those bulletproof vests with some Pro Clubs. Two Pro Clubs are you good? You good? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is ending. <clears throat> Of the weird cases of these national parks. That's nuts how they're like, right? like it's just like a dinosaur. I mean, that's a good like theory on it. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. It's What's good. interesting about it is that they were there and then they're, they're, they're just they're gone. gone. Yeah. First of all, fuck you for the parents who, who were walking ahead of the four-year-old. Like who, with the little kid that was snatched behind them. Like, fuck you. How the True. fuck are you walking ahead of your kid? Like like every kid, you know what I mean? In a forest out of all places. Yeah. And how old was he? He was four, right? Six. Four. Uh, the second one, the one that was snatched up, the one that they saw that he was snatched up, the one the hiker saw? Yeah. yeah he was four. four. Who the fuck's going to walk ahead of the four-year-old? Like, fuck you. It's because, they, you know, they had those freaking little leashes for the kids? <laughs> <laughs> nah, then that, that would have been snatched up, too. It's fucked up, dude. You know, so, you get, you know, so my brother talked about, you know, missing, you know, the... the, the 
two missing children and you talked about a family and I kind of this this episode is kind of trying to you know it's kind of being like a kind of a for lack of a better word like kind of a Debbie Downer episode because you know we're talking about sad shit so I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to take a whole 180 spin on it and you guys were talking about weird disappearances mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about a weird a weird ass appearance like someone who came out of nowhere right and this is Jerome and this is Jerome of Nova Scotia he's called the amputee of Canada right so there are many iterations of the legend of the amputee of Canada uh-huh. many of them small and minute in detail that don't really change the legend all that much but most legends or retelling of Jerome are as follow so on September 8 19 um, 1863 an eight-year-old boy was exploring the beach at Sandy Cove like regular eight-year-olds did in the late 1800s it was just fucking eight-year-olds just exploring beaches and shit and he was chilling when he saw something out of the blue you get it out of the blue because saw something out of the Shut the fuck up. He saw something on the water. Shut the fuck up. You know, the water's blue, so it's like out of the blue. Reminds me of that shark movie. <clears throat> Deep Blue Sea. Right. So he sees something weird lying on the beach. He sees a silhouette of a man. And it was a man in his 20s. His legs were amputated beneath the knees. Okay. And so were his arms. And he saw him standing. No, he saw the the body like show like he's he, the kid was exploring the beach and he saw oh, the silhouette okay. of a man right. and he was, and he goes up to it and it's this twenty year old dude whose knees are he's amputated for the legs from the knees down and from like the forearm like mid forearm down so he has no wrist uh-huh. and, or no you yeah. know <clears throat> typical Tuesday for this kid. The eight year old is scared shitless and I'm pretty sure that's the last time he went to that fucking beach right. So he he was scared shitless and he ran into town uh-huh. and he. Went into town, and the first two people he saw were a bunch of farmers. And he tried to convince them to go see some, you know, to go. He sees a man on the beach, but uh-huh. like, not to be like fucked up, but I kind of want to hear that conversation. How eight year old kid tried to convince two farmers. Like, I saw a man with no legs and no arms on the beach. I wonder how long he had to be there enough for them to be like, all right, motherfucker, let's go check this out. He pulled the ship, but let's go. Right. So the farmers eventually bought in and yeah. they went out to the beach. Uh-huh. And the farmers saw the man, the injured man. Oh, fuck yeah. Here and they go. brought him back to town. And they talked to the local doctor and the local doctor noted that that, that, the, that the amputation of his legs were very recent because his stumps were still bleeding. They were being, they were heavily bandaged and the doctor said the removal of his limbs were seen to be done by someone with surgical skills. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a quick lop. It was like, he was, they were removed. Uh-huh. He was so he stayed in Nova Scotia and he was nursed back to health by a local family who basically just said, Yeah, fuck it, we'll take this limbless stranger into our home. Uh-huh. And he was described as having a, a Mediterranean appearance and he had soft hands, which many which suggested he was like a fancy boy. Like he had like, so, like basically the same, like he was like a fancy boy because for one, he had fancy clothes and he had yeah. a haircut, but yeah. because of his hands, like the, the, they weren't rough. And this is the 1800s, so he. Did no manual labor. Yeah, he didn't have the working hands. Yeah. Uh-huh. This mysterious man, he didn't speak dick. He didn't speak <laughs> sh- shit. He didn't speak, he didn't speak dick. dick. And he was kind of a dick to people who would ask him any sort of questions. But, like, I kind of see both ways. Like, for one, I kind of see that, like, he was, like, I was, like, 
do you really was he really being a dick? And to some like I could see both views. Like someone's like, yeah, he was being a dick. You know, we saved them. We brought him out, we healed him, and he, he doesn't want to fucking talk to him. He's being rude to us. And then I can see his point, and he's like, dude, my arms and legs were just chopped off. Give me a few minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he loved children, and he loved playing when the young children and young people came to visit him. He, mm-hmm. he loved it. That's when his mood was like completely changed. The weird part, the, one of the weird parts was that Jerome wasn't really his name. But they said that's the only noise he would make that was even remotely recognizable through his muttering was the word Jerome. So I imagine it was some sort of like Cthulhu nonsense where he was just like growling and doing a bunch of shit. And the only thing they could, you know how Cthulhu is like it's spelled one way, but it's pronounced like, you know, like, yeah. so that's basically where they got Jerome from. So, so, the, so them trying to understand this limbless wonder, the town folk decided that every time a sailor would come, we would sell by. They would introduce them to Jerome in hopes of trying to see if anybody might make, might recognize the language Jerome spoke. Because he would speak. Well, they would assume his language because they couldn't understand shit. Uh-huh. <coughs> so they're like, all right, so every time a sailor would come in, you know, obviously sailors were like, they multi, you know, they would <laughs> bilinguals or whatever. They come hey, in. Is this your boy? <laughs> so, nah, you know, cool. so they were just, you know, so, so even though Jerome didn't really say much, it's thought that he may have understood certain European languages. Oh, shit. He also became kind of a diva when anyone mentioned the city of Trieste, which is the seaport city in northern Italy, which many interpreted that he may have been Italian, of Italian or French nobility. So maybe that explains what he was like. That kind of pieces things together while he had like fancy clothes. He had like his hair was parted. He, you know, that's what it kind of body parts cut up. Uh huh. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So Jerome, true. So so Jerome's home during this seven year stay of his belonged to a John Nicola. So this guy John Nicola is like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. You'll stay with me and you know, and my family. And he actually became part of the family. And I say family in quotations for you know for those of you who can't see me, because it is said that Jerome would spend most of his time. Crouching next to the stove in the kitchen, growling when people would come by. What? What? Right. Try to protect his food, bro. The Nick. So the the family they received the government assistance for his care. The government knew about it. They're like, all right, like we appreciate you trying to take care of this guy. So you know we'll give you government assistance, and they got two dollars a day. But doing the math, doing the um, doing uh, all the inflation. That was $38 a day. That time? At that time. I was like, oh, I wonder if that was a lot of money. You put this into perspective. A pound of beef costed 11 cents. What? Pound of butter, 21 cents. Pound of cheese, 13 cents. A dozen eggs were 20 cents. So they were, you know, so, so they were getting like $200 a week. A, di- a week? A week. Maybe a little more. You know what I mean? And that's wow. that's a lot of that's money. That's a lot of fucking money. Uh-huh. You know, but sadly, John's wife, the dude who took the guy who took him in, mm-hmm. his wife ended up dying, and John ended up moving to Europe. And when he did that, he left Jerome under the care of a different local family. Mm-hmm. A change that Jerome didn't really fucking mind. They just picked him up and moved him to another house. And he was just like, all right, cool. I guess I'm living here now. 
Shit. Jerome eventually passed away on April 15th, 1912, leaving behind a fascinating story with only theories and educated guesses used to puzzle together Jerome's life. A famous theory was that Jerome had damaged the Brocas, the Brocas area, which is a part of the frontal lobe, rendering him incapable of speech, but he was able to understand. Another famous and more plausible theory was that Jerome, for the reason with Jerome being found lying limbless on the shore of San Nico was because he was a sailor who was punished by W amputation for inciting a mutiny before being thrown overboard. That was kind of fucked up. So imagine you're in a boat. Your fucking captain, he's being a piece of shit. You're like, we need to get this motherfucker out. Let's do a mutiny. That you, The mutiny happens. You lose. They chop. They lop your shit off. Your legs and your arms. You're like, fuck, this is it. They pick your ass up and throw you over the boat. <clears throat> That's that theory. Look, yeah, that's fucking fucked up. Fuck. Imagine the irritation from that the saltiness of the ocean on those fresh cuts. See, but like he was cured, bro. When I was reading like that theory, I'm like that kind of makes more sense. But at the same time, not really, because if you're gonna throw someone overboard, you're, you're not gonna bandage him up. You know what I mean? But he was bandaged up. Yeah, he was bandaged up. Oh, he was. He was bandaged. Something like that kind of theory goes to shit. Maybe they had some respect for their former captain, bro. Well, he wasn't a captain. He was he just was trying to. He was trying to overthrow the captain, oh, which was the theory. Oh, the theory. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And you know, while there's other theories revolve around him being part of nobility, like I mentioned earlier, whose family was basically just tired of caring for him and just tossed him into a small rowboat, hoping for the best. That's fucked. Up. Whatever the case may be, Jerome lived a fascinating life, and that's the story of Jerome of Nova, of Nova Scotia, the amputee of Canada. And I'm going to post a picture of him. Oh, and there's pictures there's of pictures? him. Yeah. Oh, you got to show me this. And you guys will be able to see the... The Brazilian fucking... That's it? Yeah, this is Jerome of Nova Scotia. And you guys could go ahead. And for those of you listening, you can go to our Instagram. At, at um Yeah, so this is Jerome of Sandy Cove. You see, you see how he kind of has, like, from his arms, like, he has nothing. And that's yeah. literally... That that's literally his like that's his legs, yeah. yeah. Oh shit! And if you you know if anybody's interested, if you guys want to look at Jerome of Nova Scotia and all these most of these pictures, you can follow us on Instagram at Weird History Eretails Pod. Again, Weird History Eretails Pod. Yeah, so that's Jerome of Sandy Cove, and it's actually a good book about him, about him that I'm. And, uh, There's uh, a book about him. Yeah, someone went out oh, and wrote shit. a book. They kind of. Went more into detail about him, and I kind of want to, and I'm and, and I'm ordering on Amazon too, just just so I could jump on it. Yeah, but that's um yeah that's Jerome yeah that's the book. Oh shit, Jerome. He looks like a mad old man. Well, oh, fuck yeah, well, dude. He has, I mean, no one knows what happened to him. Only he does, and he never said a word. I'd be pretty upset too. If someone lopped off my. <laughs> fucking legs. Fuck y'all, bro. True story. Can't end something. Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tell podcast. 